0: Greetings in the name of Christ. This is the Hope to Hope podcast, a podcast that exists to share Christ, his truth and his saving love for his people. To this end, we exist to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. We continue looking at the death penalty. And I'm going to go into a bit more detail here, looking at the law and this case of State v. Makwanyani that abolished the death penalty. And I'm going to ask you to indulge me for a moment for a number of reasons. I know that this might be boring details for you, but think of what I'm about to say. There might be someone young who needs to know that the law can be used to achieve good. In fact, when we inspire young people in our churches to study law, We can have great lawyers who might even in the future fight for the freedom of religion, the rights of the Christians, uh, the right to life, and might even fight in the constitutional court to um, criminalize abortion and do away with the killing of babies. So young people need to hear that we're in support of people fighting this good cause. And so we should care about the law. And secondly... We studied in church history how William Wilberforce used politics to change the world. He was a parliamentarian. He was very reluctant to go into politics, thinking that it is against the Christian um, values to be a politician. But John Newton encouraged him to become a politician, saying God will use him mightily. And so we should be encouraging people to be in politics. As we know in our country, there is a death of politics and upright and morally upright politicians. And so we're desperately in need of Christians and politics and parties that uphold Christian values that we can vote for. So we need to be showing people that we support secular callings. In fact, Martin Luther in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 said that God calls people to be in certain vocations and people should remain where God has called them. And we saw this. And so it is my desire that we would not frown upon some of these things because they matter so much and they affect our lives more than we know. And we need to know why life is the way it is. Now, when it comes to the death penalty, the pivotal case is the state versus Makwanyani judgment. In my assessment of this judgment, it seems to me that It was more of a reactionary judgment against a corrupt criminal justice system that had the power to administer the death penalty. It is unquestionable that the history of the death penalty in South Africa is an unfortunate one. There was no equality before the law. People were sent to the gallows without being afforded fair legal representation. This does not mean that there were no persons rightly sentenced to death under the corrupt criminal justice system of apartheid. The state v. Makwanyani case, in fact, is a demonstration of this fact. It was a pivotal moment in the history of our country. This case was a clear um, craft of a new legal system that would see the end of the uh, to the uh, barbaric apartheid laws. But it is no doubt that we needed to start a new legal era and implement our draft constitution. But this case was used to test the effectiveness of the new constitution. It was deemed appropriate then uh, to test the draft constitution using the case of uh, Temba Makwanyani and Mavu Sankrunu. It seems immature to me that a young democratic legal system would be tested using such a big case. It did very little to deal with the appropriate punishment for taking another person's life. And this shows that it was never ready at the time to handle such a big, big case. Judge Dennis Davis and Michelle Leroux rightly point out in that in this judgment, these men appear to be irrelevant to the decision appearing only fleetingly in Justice Chuckleson's main judgment. Their stories and role in the case are dealt with in a meaningful way only by the judgment penned by Justice Kate O'Regan. Neither Makwanyani nor Mkunu are sympathetic figures. They were callous murderers convicted of a quadruple homicide from a botched car heist ambush and robbery in which Focus Bank employees Cornelius Havenga, who was 22 at the time, and Petrus Pretorius, who was 63 at the time, and police officers Matisse Thompson, who was 23 at the time, and Robert Goddard, who was 22, were all shot dead. In this judgment, the right to life was deemed absolutely unqualified. This means, as I said earlier, the imposition of the death penalty was outlawed by this judgment. But more carefully, that that this was an interpretation of the judges on the right to life clause in the Bill of Rights of the Constitution. They interpreted the Bill of Rights and the right to life in such a way that it would mean that it could not be, The right to life should not be limited. In my view, this is inconsistent with sections 36, 37 of the Constitution because we have the limitation clauses there. During a state of emergency, the right to life is limited. It is not unqualified. And so it is not unqualified in law and in reality. More in reality when you deal with the law of nature the mere fact that a person can commit suicide proves that the right to life can be limited. In fact, that person would not be charged with a criminal offence because suicide is not murder or a criminal offence. I think this logically explains the legal reasoning behind this, but I am simply pointing out that the right to life is not unqualified because something like suicide proves this point. Natural death permitted by God, proves that the right to life can be limited by God if he so wills. In a case of self-defense, the right to life is limited. In a state of emergency, the military may take the life of innocent lives if it cannot distinguish between the invaders and peaceful, lawful citizens. Abortion in this country, ironically, is another method that limits the right to life, which is wrong, and I will deal with this some other time. Lastly, euthanasia is used. So it is oxymoronic to me that proponents of euthanasia are against the death penalty when legal arguments prohibiting or permitting either are the same. Remember, the argument is this. The right to life clause means that the method used to take Life does not matter. But my argument is that the method matters because other methods are lawful. Yet I argue that they are not lawful in and of themselves, but they are lawful provided the reasons are sufficient to make them lawful, like God permitting governments to use the sword to deal with people like murderers or in self-defense Those are lawful. All these are justifiable limitations to the right to life. But the Constitutional Court disagreed on the death penalty. I understand the arguments against the death penalty, one of which is mentioned um, earlier, which is the inequality before our law or before before our country. Um, It's understandable. No doubt that having a capital punishment punishment-based system is going to to prove to be challenging for any state. But it should not be. If we have a poor criminal justice system, we should not do away with the valid retributive means of dealing with horrendous crimes. Our justice system is quite competent and fair at the moment to administer capital punishment. We send people away to life for uh, imprisonment. to life imprisonment, yet we don't complain about whether they receive fair trials or not. But I will carry on with this tomorrow and uh, may the Lord bless you as you chew on what I've said. I know it is a mouthful, but think on these things.